0: Have you got your Bibles with you? Yes. So, one, okay, a few Bible scholars. Okay, if you'd like to look with me in uh, Luke chapter 5, that would be really good. Luke chapter 5. Just a few verses. The this, this screen's a bit of a hint where we're we going. Verse 36. Uh, we'll give you a bit of a context just before we shoot into those verses. If, uh, if you've got a good Bible like mine, um, it's sort of got little headings here and there, which gives you a bit of an idea as to what's in that little paragraph. And uh, in mine, at verse 27, it says, Matthew, the tax collector, where Matthew, some versions say Levi, he is invited by Jesus to become a disciple and he holds a party. Hello. We like parties. Well, I like like parties. Anybody else like parties here? They hold a party. The scribes and the Pharisees are on the outside of the party. They're not party animals. You don't really read about them getting excited about anything apart from killing Jesus. Are we right? And they're criticising what's going on, what's all this about, how come Jesus doesn't want to go and mix with all of us Scribes and Pharisees. We're we're the religious ones. We, are you know, the church, and the, he ought to be mixing with us. He hadn't taught to be mixing with tax collectors and and sinners, people that, you know, you 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 wouldn't want around you, uh, and and so they criticised, and and you know, Jesus said, the physician goes to those that need help, that need. Uh, healing or wholeness—they don't go to someone that already thinks they're okay, that doesn't isn't in need of that. And then you jump down into the next few verses, and the Pharisees again are criticizing because they're asking the question: How come your disciples, Jesus, don't fast, whereas John's disciples do? We do our disciples of the of the uh, scribes and Pharisees—we fast. Yours don't. And Jesus says, you know, whilst the bridegroom is here, you don't have a wedding and have a party and people fast at that. Normally at a wedding celebration, you party, you enjoy it. Jesus said there's a time coming when the bridegroom will be removed and then they will fast. So there's a lot of criticism going on. And so then in verse 36, are you there? Verse 36, then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one, otherwise the new makes a tear, and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled, and the wineskins will be ruined. But new wine must be put into new wineskins, and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new, for he says the old is better. Amen. God will bless his word. So we've got the context, a mixed crowd that Jesus is talking to. There are are his disciples that are open to him. There are all sorts of other people, but the scribes and the Pharisees are there. They don't like the fact that there's a party going on and Jesus is associating with people that they think shouldn't be there. And the issue is this. These people, the scribes and the Pharisees, are self-ruling people. They have taken the Torah, they've taken what God gave them, and they've added to it the oral laws. You remember sometimes you'll read and it says, and -and so-and-so went a Sabbath day's journey. Have you read that? Sabbath day's journey. Jesus gave, or God gave the Sabbath, if you remember, so that we could have rest amidst work. Yes? And that's really good, because we need that. Animals need to rest, we need to rest. So the Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. It wasn't, well, Jesus is saying... Thou shalt not, thou shalt not. But God wants us to enjoy rest and come into his rest because the rest is good, is it not? Yeah, so that's so we've got that. They made all sorts of rules and regulations, so but they came from mainly, if you think, an agricultural background. Quite a lot of the community had animals. They needed every day of the week to feed the animals, to let them out if they'd been cooped up during the night. If you think about those that have got chickens, you've got to keep them away from Mr. Fox, haven't you? Or Miss Fox. And, and so you would put them away, then you'd let them out, wouldn't you, during the day. So there were jobs that needed to be done, is that right? Yeah. But Jesus is trying to make the point, or God was making the point, that we need rest, we need to make some time special, we need to enjoy that. But there are natural things that take place. But the Pharisees and the scribes love to make lots of rules and regulations. So they decided that on a Sabbath day, you could only walk a certain distance. You could only do certain things. You couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. My upbringing was a little bit like that because there's certain things we couldn't do on a Sunday that we could do Monday to Saturday. You you couldn't really eat fish and chips on a Sunday. It wasn't really the dumb thing. You couldn't play out, and some of you are nodding. You know, we've come up through legalistic religious structures and, you know, it's kind of come down through our parents and, and there's lots of little rules and regulations. This was what they were like. They would want to squeeze you into their mould. They're trying to restrict, to limit you to control people. How many of you know that spirit is still operating in the church and in lives? So here's another thing. They cannot handle spontaneity. Ooh. They need their reference book. They need the rule book to be able to go to to know how to act or respond so they have all of this predetermined things so they know how to live and how to go on. We're creating an atmosphere in this church that is all about spontaneity because the Holy Spirit is spontaneous. Hello. And and sometimes... You might think this is a bit of a struggle working with this church and this spirit because I like to know this is coming here, this is coming there, that's coming there and I feel secure in that. Well, get some prayer, get that pharisaical spirit (laughs) off of you, get free, get released because the Holy Spirit wants you to enjoy him and the fullness of what he's wanting to bring forth. Some of you were just sat there this morning watching with your arms folding and I'm wondering what's wrong with you. When the rest are up dancing, what's the deal? Is there a problem? Are you born again? Have you lost the joy? You know, what is it? Seriously, guys, come on. Because the world is not going to say, I want to be like you if you're miserable. Are they? When you see the adverts for anything on the TV in glossy magazines of folks looking mi- uh, miserable, it might be if they're for, you know, um, constipation issues. <laughs> and you've got the person who's really struggling because they haven't been for three days and they need, you know, this new product. And then they're all smiling because they've been. They've had a deliverance. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Usually... When people are selling a product, they're excited, they're happy. Are they not? And we're we're supposed to be saying, I've got Jesus, the joy-giver, in me. If I can't show it, what's the problem? Seriously, what is the problem? Get religion out of you. Get that pharisaical spirit broken off your life and enjoy life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get a deliverance. Now, (laughs) Jesus starts out not just with the new one. I like this idea about, you know, this garment. Uh, I really can't quite understand today. I remember being, no, not just being young, but I remember as a youngster, I loved jeans. I loved jeans. Most of the times when I went to junior school, I went in shorts the only time we, we went in jeans was, I think, occasionally we used to go on a walk on a Friday and I was allowed to wear jeans to school and not short trousers. Made me feel grown up and special. That's why I still like jeans. There's something about it. It gives me a, a nice feeling, you know, going back. But when we, had a, we wore a hole in our knee, we used to take the back pocket off and sew it on the front. Now we buy jeans pre-hold. <laughs> we pay a lot of money for somebody to put them on a machine to wear holes in them. I, d- I don't understand that. We didn't do that. I, I remember coming home from senior school on my bike in grey flannel trousers, and I came off the bike. And both knees came through. Now, I don't want you to feel really sorry for me, but I came from a very poor background. And I remember mum having to sew up and make those knees as good as they could until she could afford to buy me a new pair of trousers. But going to this scripture here, wouldn't it be rather stupid if she went into my wardrobe, got a brand new pair of grey flannel long trousers out and say, right, we need to repair his worn trousers let's let 's cut a nice couple of squares out and sew them on the knees. Would that be stupid or what because you 've ruined a good pair of trousers for one thing haven 't you and as Jesus said that that patch that 's new if you like, not shrunk. A lot of clothes we buy now are pre-shrunk, aren't they? You remember then the days when they used to shrink? Yeah. We used to have to buy a bigger size and then they shrunk. Or you got the right size and then they were half mast or whatever it was. <laughs> and we all started a new fashion. Yeah. Do you remember all those days? Yeah. Now, if you took an unshrunk piece of cloth and stitch that onto the hole to try and disguise it, then it went in, the washing machine was washed, what would happen? That new bit of cloth would shrink, would it not? It would rip the new one and the patch wouldn't look the same either. It would really look obvious, wouldn't it, if you were wearing it. Jesus is trying to tell us that he is making a change in our lives and in the church and he doesn't want to do a patch up job we can't take bits from the new the new life in Jesus and say well I'll have that bit I'll have that bit you know like we do around the supermarket and I'll take that I'll take that I'm going to leave the Brussels sprouts I don't like the greens or I'm going to leave that I won't have that but I will have this thing I like this I'm going to have that The Christian life is not like that. It comes as a package. It's a full deal. Somebody agrees with me. Thank you, Shambir. There's an evangelist who preaches the gospel, preaches the truth. You have the whole deal. God wants to completely transform your life. That's transform. Not a patch-up job. Well, next week I'll come back and I'll get a little bit more. I'll change a little bit more. No, God wants to do the full deal. And he doesn't want to patch up this old structure of church. He wants to get rid of it. It's man-made. You've gone quiet on me. The religion has got to go. It's the Pharisees, the scribes, it's those guys making a system that God never intended for us. He wants us to be in relationship with him I mean, there's got to be order. There's always got to be order. But I'll tell you what, it's a freeing order. It's an exciting order. It's equipping, releasing, and it's exciting, is it not? So what God is doing today will not look like the old, so don't try and make comparisons. Hello. Thank you, Barry. Come on, I can tell who's with me. Don't make comparisons with the old because the new's different, very different. If you're here for the first time, this is different. Let me tell you, it's different. Now, it goes on and he says this, no one puts new wine into old wineskins. Now, we're going to just see that again in a minute. Many people want the new wine of the Spirit, don't they? They want the new wine of the Spirit. But Jesus is saying, you do not put new wine into an old wineskin. skin." Hello? We, we need to get this wine skin right because the new wine is the easy bit. Did you know that? Because God wants to pour it out and actually, if you know anything about Jesus, his first miracle was turning water into wine. See? Yeah, I just took that when Jenny was doing something at home. I just took that picture when she was just... Because we're practicing, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's easy, come on, Jesus did it, it's dead easy to turn water that's going to be used for washing feet into the very best vintage wine that you can get from the best chateaus in France. Yeah. He can do it, that is dead easy. It's the, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't sweat. You know we break into a sweat at times, don't we? Uh, yeah, quite it bad. doesn't sweat him at all, that's, that's a doddle. And wine is a natural process. Now, can you see, we've got some grapes up there, we've got some fermentation going on. Those are wineskins up there. You're used to seeing bottles, aren't you, in Sainsbury's and Tesco's and Morrison's. You don't see them on the shelves full of wine. You can see that they are animals. Can you see that? Or bits of animals, the skin. Okay. So... Producing wine is very, very natural because there's, there's yeast on the skin of the grape and as soon as you squeeze it and it comes into contact with the juices inside, fermentation begins. The yeast there, look, turns the natural sugar that's in there, turns it into alcohol and it also produces carbon dioxide. Remember that from school days, carbon dioxide? Wind okay you know that you understand that and and the thing is today we can put them in in glass bottles and when this fermentation still going on uh, it doesn't it doesn't burst the bottles but often a lot of the fermentation goes on in big steel tanks And, uh, you know, most of our, if if you see a wine, by the way, in the supermarkets, and they've got a screw top, they've generally been bottled over here. We buy it in bulk, comes here. If it's got a cork in it, it's more likely to have been imported from abroad. Just a little tip for you, those of you that like the wine. But in the olden times there, they put this fermenting wine into a product that would expand or allow the wine to keep fermenting and so it could expand and it wouldn't burst. So Jesus is saying, okay, you've got to put new wine that's still going through the fermentation process, you've got to put it into a new wine skin. You can't take an old wine skin that's dried on the side because if you bang the the liquid straight into that, what's going to happen? It's going to crack. You're going to ruin that skin and the wine is going to go all over everywhere. Here's the deal God needs a wine skin that can hold his new wine. Okay, are you with me? So, what is a wine skin? Here's a picture of some of the wine skins. It's this flexible container that's made from the skin of an animal and it allows this process to be able to be done. Do you want to read it all? Okay, I've said it. There's a man that's got one there. It's being hoisted up in those sticks and he can just open that and pour out the wine. So the animal skins were used. Now, here's the thing, and this is what is exciting about this whole thing. If you've got an, an old wine skin, you would take it and you would wash it, you'd put it in water, clean it up, And then you would rub oil into that skin to make it soft and supple again. This is good for any of us here this morning who are feeling a bit like a Pharisee, a bit dried up, maybe a bit legalistic. Maybe I can't enter into all this stuff that these guys are into. If you're feeling a bit dry, a bit withered, the exciting thing is this you can be restored. You can be restored. You can receive the water. The, the uh, Ephesians talks about the washing of water by the word. You can be washed, be refreshed, feel that water touching you. You know what an old chamois leather's like? How many of you have washed a car and you've dried it with a chamois leather? You know what that thing's like? If you've lain it like I do over the top of my bucket, when you lift it up, it's that shape, isn't it? Yes. You could turn it over and you know put something in it. It takes a while when you fill your bucket with water to get that thing to absorb the water. But it does, doesn't it? Eventually, and you wring it a few times and you massage it a bit, and all of a sudden it's okay and you can wipe the paintwork, the windows, and what an amazing job it does, doesn't it? Now, God will do that with you. If you allow the water to wash you, to begin to work on you, then, I mean, we don't do this with chamois leathers, but you would do it with a wineskin. You would rub oil into that wineskin to make it soft, to make it supple, and it's ready for reuse. There's hope for all of us. Yeah. However dry we get as issues affect our lives or if we've been churchified and there's a lot of religion still within us, God can come in and can begin to bring the oil of the Holy Spirit and refresh us and do us good. Amen. Remake us from the inside out. So that's good. Uh, right, I said that. Fresh oil, my word. Look at this. We're going through this so quick. And Jesus gave this parable as an example as to what he wants to do in his church as well as in our personal lives. He wants all of us to be revived, but he needs a church as well that can also be revived. So he wants to do this work with us personally. And if anyone needs prayer today, because you're thinking some of this stuff's actually hitting me, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me about some things, some attitudes, some mindsets that I've got. I just can't break free of some of these things. You need prayer and you can receive prayer at the end this morning. But also God wants to change the structure of the church that's kind of man-made in order that we can see the real church arising in this day and age. We've used that term ecclesia. it's the Greek word that Jesus used for I will build my church. It means a called out, a chosen group of people that have been taken out for a plan and for a purpose that God has to change the world and make it more like heaven. That's the ecclesia. So what does the new wine church look like? It has five elements to it. It has the apostle, the prophet, the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist. The new wineskin is the five-fold model that God wants to bring forwards. The evangelist gets people saved. The pastors provide comfort, care, and protection. The prophet releases the word over people, gives vision and direction. The teacher in the life of the church instructs and trains and then the apostle, they set the church in order, they establish and they send out the new believers to begin to do the things that God's called them to. That's the five-fold ministry. It's the wineskin that God's looking for in the life of the church in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it says, First of all, God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets, then teachers, then working of miracles, and others. The predominant office in the church today worldwide is the pastor. Anybody that's leading a church usually gets called pastor. And quite often those men or women are pastors, but the church is founded on What? Apostles and prophets, that is the foundation of the church and that is what God is doing in this day and age to raise up apostolic prophetic churches. We've put up some signs outside now, we're working on some other signage as well. We're saying that we are an apostolic centre. Outside, We're making that statement. We're letting people know that we are a centre that believes in the apostolic and we are raising up apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists and the helps ministries. We're equipping them, we're training them and we're releasing them and that is what an apostolic centre does. It moves forward in power, releasing people into their God-given destiny. We're not helping you be comfortable with a church service. Now, thank you for your underwhelming response. We are not providing a place where you can go through a church service. I went through over 30 years of church services. They were the same week in, week out. And I was one of the deacons at one point that would lead the first hymn or lead the chorus section. And, you know, we would know every service what that was like. We would know who was going to stand up and pray in the prayer meetings. We would know what they were going to pray because they prayed the same stuff every time they prayed. That was what it was like. It wasn't exciting. It wasn't dynamic. Now, it was good. We worked with the revelation that we had. We didn't know any better, but it wasn't spontaneous. It was pre-planned. We knew the hymns. We knew what we were being asked to do, and we did it. And we were encouraged to sing loud because that really makes a difference when we sing loud. Doesn't it? We were never taught how to prophesy. I had that many hands laid on me to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just thought, you know, something was going to zap me from heaven. And these strange words that I'd heard other people use would suddenly come out of my mouth involuntarily, I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to cooperate. And so I had that many hands laid on me. It's it just rubbed all my hair off. <laughs> and, and it was years and years before I was ever baptised in the Holy Spirit, still with no understanding, no instruction whatsoever. Now, here we go. So God's plan for the church begins with Apostles... We're gifted by God to set the church in order and bring God's authority. Now, we're to bring authority, not domination. We're to bring dominion, not domination. We're to bring authority, not control and manipulation. Godly authority is good and it's received by wise people. The fool rejects godly authority and says, you will not speak to me like that, I'm off. I'm going to get offended. We try real hard as we're exercising our godly authority here to help you grow. Amen? Because we want you to grow. We want you to keep pushing your boundaries out in order that you can be all that God's created you to be. So that's good. The prophets bring God's vision. They speak out what God is saying and what God is doing and going to be doing and it envisions us, doesn't it? We grab those words and we say, yeah, I'm going to run with those words. Uh, I was just reminded in the morning, in in the watch just before we broke, um, there was some words released from Gozi for the UK and one of the words was that God's, Changing the God. There's the changing of the God or something. In, in Parliament, in the government, there's a changing of the God. Hallelujah. Yes. We're going to get a woman. Yes. We better get used to that, guys. Because really in our history, you know, we've had Margaret and she was an iron lady. And she got faults and failings. But i tell you what, you didn't mess with her. She was in the house There was respect and honour. We're going to have a lady coming forth to lead our government. And we need to be, you don't sound excited about that, even you ladies. We need to be praying for this new person that they will be able to bring unity into the house. Because the house is in a mess, a big mess. Labour haven't got it together. Nigel Farage has dipped out with UKIP. Don't know what UKIP are going to be doing in the future. Don't hear much about the Liberal Democrats. But, hey, don't we need some unity to change the nation and to change Europe and to change the world? So we've got to be praying like never before. We've got the teachers that bring God's instruction, the pastors bring the care, and the evangelists bring God's power into the church, onto the streets, train and equip us for releasing the lost. So it's exciting, and that's what the Ecclesia is all about. God's raising up this new wineskin that's going to enable him to pour in his wine, his new wine, because he's going to have a people that are dynamic. Amen. Yeah. 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 Okay. Think about it. If you're going to go on the street or wherever, and you're going to talk about the goodness of the Lord. How are you going to look when you do that? Practice in front of the mirror this week. (laughs) I know some of you struggle first thing in the morning. You don't wake up with the joy of the Lord when your little eyelids open, do do you? Some of you are a little bit grumpy first thing in the morning. Some of you say, good morning, Lord. It's a new day. Some say, good Lord, morning. (laughs) I've gotta to go to work or I've gotta do this. Actually it's scriptural, by the way. Those of you who struggle, you're not morning people. I've heard you say that, you know, while well, I'm a I'm a nighttime person. Some of you I know can't do either ends of the day. <laughs> you come alive somewhere in the middle, just ready for lunch, and then you fade out during the afternoon. In the Psalms it says Joy comes in the morning. Yes. Oh, yes. She's a coming. <laughs> She's a coming in the morning. We're going to take her by faith. Now, here's another thing before I finish, because I'm, I'm just about ready for wrapping up. How many of you like red wine? Red wine apparently is very good for you. One glass, though. Come on now, because it says in the Proverbs... <laughs> Don't look at the wine when it's sparkling in the glass. Now, uh, this doesn't really mean that God doesn't want us to enjoy wine. Just for any of you that are religious, you can't you can't make an argument for not drinking wine out of the Bible other than not tempting other people or people that struggle with wine. You can't make an argument for being teetotal. They weren't. Jesus wasn't. He drank wine. God made it natural. But here's this thing, if you've had vintage wine, it's not antique, it's vintage wine. If you've had vintage wine, there's something about that kind of wine that's like drinking velvet. I worked for a wine and spirit merchant and um, I was an administrator for a small team that used to handle the accounts for the big hotels and we had a director, and I think there was five salesmen in the team, me, the administrator, and one time we went to one of the top hotels, one of the top chains for business meetings, and we sat round this table to have a meal together, and they wanted to impress us. So we had the waiters all stood round us. They brought this plate with a beautiful silver salver over the top, one of them dome jobs. And they all stood round us at that table and at the same time they lifted them off. And then they brought us red wine to go with our beef, whatever it was. The red wine, now I'm not, you know, I didn't know a lot about wine in those days. I would just have one glass. But this red wine, and I didn't particularly like red wine. I'd got more of a sweeter palate in those days. This red wine was like drinking velvet, drinking velvet. You've never tasted anything like it because it was at the right temperature. It was good wine. You remember, you remember the wedding at Cana? The man whose son was being married said, "'You've saved the best till last.'" Normally, whilst we're sober, you roll out the good stuff. When we're half-sozzled, you bring out the rubbish. (laughs) Tesco's own. (laughs) This was the best. This was good wine. So, using that as an analogy, Jesus said, those who have drunk vintage wine don't immediately want the new because they say the old is better. Every year there is a a wine that's bottled from the new harvest and it's called Beaujolais Nouveau. Anybody ever seen that in the shops? Beaujolais Nouveau. It's the first wines. They get the first lots of grapes off, they press them, they produce this wine. Every wine shipper in the country wants to be the first one in their store or in their pub, restaurant, they want to be the first to serve it. The new wine. It does not taste like top-class vintage wine because men are like vintage wine ladies. They get better with age. (laughs) If you're married to an older guy, you want to thank the Lord for him. Because he's maturing, he's getting better. You want to hang on to him, don't go for a new model. (laughs) Stick with the old guy. The hair might be going, the eyes might be failing, he might not walk the same as he did when he was 30, but stick with him, ladies. (laughs) Now, here's the deal. With this new wine church that Jesus is releasing. Oh, I used to like it how it used to be. Now, I liked coming to church when I knew what church was going to be like. I remember somebody saying years ago now, this is years ago, well, of course, I like a quieter service. I like an eight o'clock service at the local Anglican church because I like it quiet. I was thinking, well, you're really going to struggle when you get to heaven. (laughs) Because that kind of service is so rare, they actually put it in Scripture that it was quiet in heaven for half an hour. And they actually wrote that up and recorded it. Some folks are going to be really disappointed. They're going to be saying, where can I go to get a bit of peace and quiet? No, forget it. There is joy in heaven. Come on. God God likes to party. Jesus liked to party. He didn't hang around loads of times with the Pharisees. They ran around after him, trying to find things to criticise, trying to find something that they could find fault and kill him. Jesus was around those people that were receiving him that wanted what he had to say that received life, the prostitutes, the drug addicts. Those that were homeless, those people that knew that they were bankrupt in their personal lives, that had a broken marriage or something had gone wrong, they'd had a bereavement, whatever it was, their lives were anything like exciting and really worth living. But when Jesus came in, he transformed them and they loved him. They were passionate and they were excited about who he was and what he stood for. And he liberated men and women as well, you know, and children, enjoyed all of them. And strong, tough men said, I want to be aligned with this man. There's something about him. Anyway, I won't go, go any further with that. Let me tell you, things are changing and we better get used to the new. Because the new really is the old, because it's eternal. Hello? We're going back to the ancient paths. The problem is we haven't seen them for so long, we don't recognise the ancient pathways. All we've seen is religion and that is not God's plan for us. Religion's going down the pan. Hello. Get on board the bus to Jesus. Amen? Ding, ding. We're going. We ain't stopping for the devil. We're not stopping for the religious guys. We're going with the fullness of who he is, what he's done. So, here we go. We're living in a day when God is restoring the wineskin, The new wineskin is forming. God is pouring out his new wines. Aren't you excited? Here's the deal. Historically, every move of God has been resisted by the last move. Every move of God has been resisted. Do you know people don't like us? We're far too free here. Every move of God has been resisted by the previous move. We're breaking things down through prayer, through our declarations and decrees. Through going on these prayer assignments, we're wanting to break the church into the into what it ought to be the new wineskin, the fivefold church of Jesus Christ. We're wanting to see that happen. God will have a church. It says in Ephesians that, that God is going to give to Jesus. A glorious church without spot or wrinkle, without any blemish. Do you think he could offer the church at large now to Jesus? I don't think so. So in Hebrews it says God is shaking everything. Yet once more will I shake the heavens and will shake the earth. Everything is being shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken can remain. The five fivefold ministry the new wineskin is what god has always planned and that's going to stay and go into eternity so we've got to help move people off of that amen? amen now then let's just stand together because we want to say lord if there's anything in me individually in my life that speaks of pharisaicalism big word that one it means I'm dry, I've got some mindsets that are not really godly mindsets. I'm not free, I'm not able to enter in to worship like the others. I sit watching but I'm feeling on the outside. I feel almost like the Pharisees. I'm at a party but I'm stood on the outside looking in and I don't like what's going on. If you're saying, I want to change, then ask Holy Spirit right now. Begin that work in me, begin to change me. Bring that water of your word. Allow that water to begin to pour over that old wineskin, over those old mindsets. Allow that water to begin to wash you and to begin to bring that cleansing right now. Lord, I pray that, Lord, those of us who are still hanging on, and we might have been in this church even for a number of years, but, Lord, we're still in that kind of old system, old model. We're sitting and watching and we're not entering in. We're not down the front. We're not partying like you want us to. We're not free. We're not released. Lord, I pray right now that you would begin that process of washing us, washing our minds, washing our hearts. Lord, dealing with those old motives and attitudes. God, refresh us right now. Refresh us by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, that oil, would you pour in the oil right now? Pour in the oil into those old dry wineskins. Allow that oil to begin to permeate right deep within us. Lord, we want to be flexible. Lord, we know that we haven't seen anything yet of what you're going to do, of what you're going to pour out. Because we've only seen one or two drops We've only seen that cloud coming yet. We haven't seen the deluge of what you want to bring. So, Lord, change us. Those of us that think, well, I'm a ready vessel. I'm already changed. I'm already uh, in the kind of place where you can pour out the fullness, God. Lord, let us be ready. Show us, Lord, that we still need to be supple. We need to still change and get our mindsets in order ready for that fullness of your Holy Spirit being poured out in us. God, change us. Deal with us. Thank you, Lord. And begin to shift us as well, our mindsets of what church is and what church looks like. Lord, you've said on a number of occasions... Where church is going, what you're wanting to do with us will look nothing like what it is right now. And Lord, we often say, I prefer the old. I want the old wide. I want the old ways. I want to do the old things. I want to feel comfortable when I come to church. Lord, break that off us right now in Jesus' name. We break off the old. We say that will not enable us to press into the new. We break those old mindsets right now, those old attitudes. We say, Lord, shake us, shake our core right now. Church is not for me and my comfort zone. It's not to make me feel happy or feel good. It's for the sake of others that they might come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Lord, shake us to the core right now in Jesus' name. Lord, may we be ones that are ready to receive the new wine of the Spirit in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.